Should the Hawks go for need or should they just take the best available player? Welcome to the Hawk Report, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC, and we're officially a week and a half out from the 2023 NBA Draft. And the Hawks do have the 15th pick in the NBA draft. So in today's show, we're going to make sure we talk about some potential scenarios that could happen before the draft on draft night. And we're joined by sports columnist Michael Cunningham to go over those and make sure that we have an idea of what the Hawks might do when it comes to June 22nd, NBA draft day. If you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, this is the Hawk Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, everybody. As promised, we are doing our pre-draft or our draft preview um, ahead of, it's hard to believe, but next week's NBA draft. We're only a week away from the NBA draft. That's crazy to think. But we've got our AJC columnist, Michael Cunningham, here joining us today to make sure that we touch on everything that the Hawks need to do ahead of the draft and and how they get better out of this draft. So, Michael, as always, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. Always, always a pleasure. So, Michael, I'm sure, you know, you always know, well, not always know, but I'm sure you know the Hawks have picks at 15 and 46 in the second round. You know, the fact that they're picking at number 15 right outside that draft lottery, uh, it's pretty indicative of that season that they had where it wasn't particularly great, but it wasn't necessarily bad. So as far as, you know, you seeing them picking at 15, did that surprise you at all when that came out uh, a couple months ago? Um, no, nah, it's like you said, it's a mid-team, <laughs> mid-season. So now they get a mid-pick. It's pretty uh, pretty appropriate, as you said. They weren't bad enough to be a lottery team. And they weren't good enough to be a team that made it out of the first round. Um, they got through the, the play-in with a victory over Miami, which, as we saw, went on a run. Mm-hmm. And I felt good about that one. I kind of predicted. I was like, oh, they can beat Miami in one game. I wouldn't like it in the series. Right. So, anyways, so when you have a season like that, you end up with the 15th pick. So, here we are. And, I mean, we've seen them have some pretty solid picks in that 15 rate. Well, we're only going off of one season, but they picked A.J. Griffin at number 16 
in last season's draft, and we saw how well that worked out for them. And, you know, AJ was kind of a guy that was expected to be a lottery pick. I know some mocks had him going as high as five, and, you know, he ended up going 16. You know, it's amazing that he fell so much into the Hawks' lap, and they were able to kind of pick him at that spot. So do you think that they can recreate some of that I guess, luck, (laughs) that maybe somebody in the lottery kind of falls out of favor with some of those teams and and drops a little bit there? I mean, maybe so. It did work out with A.J. Griffin. Didn't work out so well uh, with, like, Cam Reddish. Um, But I think it points to how to draft. Like you said, you got to get lucky sometimes. It's hard to decide which 18, 19, 20-year-old guys are going to end up being good pros because there's so much more that goes into it than just the uh, the athleticism or the production. Um, the NBA is very hard. It's a man's league. It's a lot of games. It's high level of competition every night. And, you know, it takes a certain kind of person to be able to do that, even if you are talented. So that's what the Hawks and every other team is trying to figure out now is, yeah, we see what you do on tape. We see your talent, your potential, your production, but can you be a pro? And it's, as I said, hard to figure. And it, it's tough because especially with the with a new coach like Quinn Snyder, and we know their previous coach, Nate McMillan, isn't necessarily one that was going to play a rookie significant minutes. It just ended up working out that way because of the Hawks' lack of depth. When you think about this team, and I think they still in some ways lack some depth, it's hard to anticipate that, you know, the rookie will end up spending the majority of the time, especially, you know, being a first round pick in College Park. I mean, do you anticipate whoever they pick at 15, maybe cracking the rotation a bit, especially if they're able to make some moves in free agency? Um, it's hard to say with with the new coach. We don't know how Snyder's going to do it. We can look at how he did it with the Jazz, but he had a, a pretty veteran team there for a while. Um, I think he got uh, Mitchell on his third season, I want to say. So he was already kind of established as a guy when when Quinn Snyder came in. So, yeah, I think the fact that he – I like that he played Jalen Johnson, that he seemed to trust him after he took over the job and even gave him some minutes in the playoffs kind of shows that he is willing to play a young guy if he feels like he can help. You know, it seemed like he showed some patience with Jalen, too. Jalen had some not-so-good games through that stretches, and you wonder if he's going to end up back buried on the bench like he did with Nate, and he really didn't. He kind of kept running him out there, which I think is going to pay off for the Hawks. So I think, based on that, that maybe whoever they pick can um, crack the rotation. But as you said, we don't know how the, the this roster is going to shape up this summer as far as veterans, and mm-hmm. we don't know who they're going to pick. So uh, Right. Until then, uh, we can only speculate. But I would think that the way it went with Jalen shows that Snyder at least is willing to play young guys if they can help. And when you think, too, now, we're going to switch gears and and think back to the roster that they had last season. Where We've already said it was a pretty mid-roster despite them having so many talented individuals on it. As far as this Hawks team, you know, with what they do have, do they go for the best available player or, you know, do you see them picking position wise? We've seen throughout some of these pre-draft workouts that they've had, they've been looking at a lot of guards. And so that to me kind of signals that maybe 
they're looking toward the future of who's going to be that guy that's going to be backing up both, you know, maybe Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. They do have a lot of wings on this roster and bogey. We already touched on AJ Griffin. We touched on, well, you have DeAndre Hunter as well. So it's, it's a pretty wing heavy <laughs> roster as well. So as far as they, as they think about what they're going to do for this future, do they pick the best available player that they, that, that falls there or do they, they look at need? I would say they probably lean more towards best available. Everybody wants wings. Everybody wants big two-way wings. But as you said, uh, the Hawks are already kind of got a log jam there at wing. Um, when you're looking at um, uh, Hunter and Griffin and, you know, Johnson played some. Um, Murray plays out there too. Bogey, uh, they're very deep at wing. So if they do draft a wing, uh, maybe not much time there this season, but can develop for the future. And they have some decisions to make on Murray going forward that they might need a uh, more of a guard type wing than a, than a big two way. So uh, I would think lean more towards best available, but hopefully the best available would be a wing. <laughs> uh, and they do have a lot of wings, but I would say they don't have a lot of lockdown defending wings. And there are a couple in these, this draft. Uh, the best ones probably won't fall to them. There might be somebody available later who can serve that kind of defensive wing role. Exactly. And, I think with this team, with this Hawks team, their their eyes should also just, as you already touched on, continue just being on guys who who have that ability to be that two way player. Because as we know, they don't have a lot of money going into free agency that they can spare, so they're gonna have to do it in the draft. And you have to wonder too with some of the guys that they've brought aboard for Quinn Snyder's staff if they have that defensive background that can kind of help develop that talent that a, a player in this rookie class will be able to have in, in terms of defense. But I mean, Michael, when you, when you think about how the Hawks can kind of continue to get better, uh, the question of John Collins just is always going to be at the forefront of our minds and, and how they're able to either shed that salary or, you know, potentially flip him for a draft pick Obviously, that contract continues to be a big hindrance to maybe, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, convincing another team to kind of buy into that. I mean, how much do you think John Collins could kind of bring in some draft capital, if any at all? Yeah, it's going to be tough because you're asking somebody to take on the salary and give up a, a pick. I think I've said before that I think they're probably going to have to sell a deal where they take back another quote unquote bad contract guy from another team who's highly paid, who just isn't fit, fitting what that team wants to do, which describes Collins with the Hawks right now. Is I still think he's a good player. We don't know how much the hand injury uh, affected him. Looks like he was shooting better later in the season, so maybe the hand had a lot to do with his, his poor shooting. But the role is just not really there for him on this Hawks team as it's currently constructed. So I would think they'd have a hard time getting a pick and also, you know, getting a team to take on that contract. Of course. And I think like we've talked about too, they they do have a, a pretty big logjam as far as the decision that they do need to make between John Collins and, and Clint Capella, just because we've talked before too about how much some of their skills overlap. So, I mean, of the two, who do you think the Hawks actually could get a bigger return for if they were able to make some kind of, 
deal on draft night or ahead of the draft? I think it would be Capella. Um, he's the kind of defensive big that you kind of favor now um, because he can guard the pick and roll. And he also gives you some rim protection. With Clint, to my eye, it all depends on how he's feeling. When he doesn't have the bounce on his legs, he's not nearly as effective as a defender or as a, as a lob man. But when he's feeling good, he's still a very productive player. He's still not that old, you know, in NBA terms. So I think they could be able to to get something for Clint for a team, for a contending team that says, hey, we need a, a big defensively versatile wing and a lob man, and we have enough shooting where that's not going to hold us down, which doesn't really uh, describe the, the Hawks. Like they have a – especially when Collins was struggling with his sh- shot – Nowadays in the NBA, you can't have a four and a five man that can't shoot. One of them's got to be able to stretch the floor. So I would think that would be the reason that the Hawks could, could move on from Clint, say maybe we get it's more of a stretch five, or maybe we put Collins back to their role, you know, as the pick and roll and the stretch guy that he had before Clint came with Trey. So I think that Clint would be the most likely uh, to be traded among those two. And if you think about with Onyeka Kongo, we, we've seen – Quinn Snyder and his staff really starting to try and develop that three-point <laughs> that three-point jumper. And Onyeka has really tried to rise to the occasion. He made jokes at his exit interview that he's going to continue working on it. And, I mean, we've seen Quinn Snyder drop plays specifically to bring Okongu out to that corner spot and for that knockdown three. Of course, time will tell if that skill will develop. I mean, he's been in the NBA now for, what, three years at this point? And and it's kind of hard to add new skills to people's repertoire as they continue to kind of get their feet under them in the NBA. Is is that development of his three-point jumper kind of an indicator that maybe this Hawks team is is ready to potentially move on from from Clint, especially as Onyeko Kongu and, and Trey Young kind of develop chemistry that we saw them have, particularly in that Boston series? I think so. Um Onyeka, that was a funny exit interview that he did. That was really good. <laughs> he's a funny dude. I think that points to something, too, that he's kind of willing to look kind of silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you add a new skill, sometimes it's going to look bad. But he's mm-hmm. kind of willing. He's got, you know, self-deprecating about it, about his jump shot, but also a little bit confident about it. Like, hey, I'm going to show you. Yeah. So I like that. But, yeah, that could be an indication that, you know, they want to make Onyeka the, the they're stretch five and then not have Clint is just kind of a pick and roll guy. And it, and it could work. I mean, we've, they've talked a lot about having a program, not just having a team. So he's obviously one of your top candidates for skill development. If you can develop that jumper, then he, he becomes a very good player. He's, he's already very promising. Um, he's, he's been a better rim protector than I thought. He's not tall necessarily, but he's long and he's kind of a, a quick jumper. Uh, he's got pretty good instincts as far as, uh, you know, when to help, when when to drop, you know, all that stuff that you have to have as a big. So I can see him d- developing into a starting caliber center if especially he gets that jump shot. And that would be the reason or another reason why you move on from Clint and say, hey, we have a younger, cheaper guy who can do pretty much the same things. And we think he can be a shooter. Exactly. And, you know, we've seen... 
Um, a guy like Drew Timmy, I've actually seen him kind of mocked to the Hawks in that second round. He was one of the guys that the Hawks worked out over these last couple of weeks. And I, I don't know. I like Drew Timmy's game uh, and what he did at Gonzaga. And I think he could be a pretty good fit, especially if, you know, he's backing up on Yeka Kongu. Of course, you run into that issue of the Hawks continuing to not necessarily have size, but maybe that's something that they address in free agency. But you guys are listening to the Hawks Report. Michael and I are going to continue discussing what the Hawks need to do uh, in this coming draft. And, you know, we'll get a chance to hear from Landry Fields in the coming weeks and, and pick his brain a little bit about what the Hawks are looking for in the draft. Of course, he's not going to give away all his trade secrets. But again, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I wanted to take this time to thank everyone who has subscribed or subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. Now, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution does have a special offer available for our podcast listeners if you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, there's access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. Michael, I think when I think about the Hawks this past season, it just, I know, and the biggest question I think a lot of people still have is just how the Trey Young and DeJounte Murray pairing will shake out, especially under the kind of, vision that Quinn Snyder has. And I think that remains to be seen just because even when he came aboard, you could tell, you could see the potential, especially in game three of that series against the Boston Celtics in the playoffs. But the consistency, as we've noted with this team, was just still a huge question mark. So now that they, you know, have the offseason to kind of work through that, pick Snyder's brain a little bit more, and, and Snyder's putting in his own coaching staff. We've seen so many reports of people that they've brought in, including Igor Kokoskov, Mike Bray, Brittany Donaldson, just a variety of people. Just how will adding a rookie into that kind of mix of trying to make this pairing work between these two on-ball heavy guards and then you're throwing a new guy into that. 
especially if they do go in the direction of a guard. How will that work? Yeah, I don't see how it can. <laughs> um, like I said, it depends who, who they pick. And like we said, the person they pick probably wouldn't be on the floor at the same time as Trey and DeJounte necessarily. Um, they, I could see I them think... being on there like one with one of them. It's kind of yes. like, you know, that point like point A, point B sort of thing, flip-flopping off kind of the staggering that they had in the regular season last year. Right. Yeah, I could, I could see it that way, but I don't think the Hawks should do anything that could disrupt the thing that they're trying to do with Trey and Murray. Um, we've seen that it's kind of can be an awkward fit at times. When it works, it looks good. When it doesn't, it looks ugly. You kind of saw, especially I thought Murray was more of a deferring more than he usually is comfortable with. You kind of see him kind of thinking about, you know, what do I need to do here, which is not a good situation for an NBA player to play off instincts. And I think the instincts of Trey and Murray clash in some ways. And I don't think it's necessarily people talk about it like, oh, Trey doesn't want to give up the ball. DeJounte doesn't want to. I think they want to make it work. They want to win. You know, they're this, this generation of NBA players, they don't want to be talked about on NBA Twitter no. and, get, and get clowned. I wouldn't want to. So they want to make it work. And they know if it doesn't, they are going to get clowned. They have mm -hmm. been clowned. <laughs> so uh, you don't want to put a rookie in that mix where now not all are these two guys trying to work with each other. They're trying to work in somebody who doesn't know what it takes to play in the NBA. So I would guess that whoever the, the rookie is they pick would, you know, defer if they're on the floor with either one of those guys going to defer. And like we said, probably won't spend much time with both of them. But we don't know who they pick. Maybe they find a hidden superstar. You never know. Yeah. And I think, too, the big thing is that this front office has to get Whoever they choose, they have to get the pick right, especially when you look at the assets that they do have in terms of draft capital moving down the line. It's it's just going to it's just going to be tough. But when you think about if they are able to bring in a rookie that can make an, an impact immediately, which is which is we've already you know said it's hard to do when you are picking from someone outside of the lottery. But what would you say we've already touched on it being a wing? But if you had to prioritize which would make the biggest positive impact on this roster, right, almost not right away, but very little need to have that kind of breaking in period. Uh, what position would you say they should target if that's the best available player that's there? Now I'm basing this on the possibility that Holiday could be leaving, right? Uh, he's set to become a free agent, could be a backup point guard. Um, I thought Holiday was better was better in that position with Snyder than he was with Nate. I think uh, Snyder had a little bit more confidence in him, and I thought he was solid. He was a solid backup veteran point guard, and you know that's the kind of thing that can't be taken for granted. A guy who you who trust as that second unit point guard, you know, and I think he's a veteran. He knew his role. He knew he did, that when he was out there with Murray or Trey, that he had to defer. But he was also able to, you know, to do his own thing and pick his spots and, you know, pretty good defender. So I would think if they think that he's going to go where I could see him, you know, getting offers from other team, if they and they are looking at paying the luxury tax. And, you know, that's where those when you get 
to the tourist attacks line, that's where the decisions start coming in. Do we want a veteran or do we want a guy on a rookie scale deal who's not going to cost us much? So I think a backup point guard could be if they see one who's they also believe is the quote unquote best available player. Yeah. If they see a guy there, I think point guard would be the position where a guy could come in and you know make an impact, assuming that Holiday will not be back on a team for financial reasons. For sure. It's it's tough. I, I agree with you. I actually really liked uh Aaron Holiday, especially toward the end of the season when he could be kind of plugged in when the Hawks needed to go small or they needed that defensive punch. I don't think they have nearly enough depth in in that regard. I mean, when you think of their defensive players, you think DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, you know, Clint Capella, but that's when they go big. Uh, Onyeko Kongu, (laughs) Jalen Johnson. It it, it just seems like wherever, whatever decision they, they make, to me, defense should be kind of one of the things that they continue to prioritize in whoever they pick, regardless of position of uh, do they have those defensive skill sets that if Quinn Snyder needed to inject some defense into, into that lineup, can they, can they do that? Yeah. And I think uh, we're talking about a backup poll card. That was supposed to be Sharif Cooper. Yeah. And I think one thing we need to talk about is the Hawks have been bad with second round pick. Schlenk didn't have any. Right. It worked out, and he didn't seem to really value him that much. Would just trade him away or for cash a few times they did. Um, and the guys he picked, none of them became NBA players, right? Unless yeah. I'm missing somebody. I don't think anybody did. So we're, that's when you're up against the luxury tax. That's where that player development comes in. you got to have some cheap guys who can come in and help mm-hmm. when – the veteran guys you let go because you're up against that tax and now you're limited in what you can do, especially with this new CBA, there's even more limitations. And the way the Hawks are right now is if they want to keep everybody, not for this year, 0304, but 0405, mm-hmm. they would probably be on that second level of the tax. And the unless they're coming off a uh, finals appearance, that's hard to <laughs> right. justify from an ownership really standpoint. Is. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy who thinks the ownership spend whatever it takes because they're making money anyway. But that's hard to justify from an ownership standpoint. I'm going to pay the second apron of the tax and we lose it in the first round. No. <laughs> so yeah, they've gotten all these second round pick wrongs. I think, you know, you mentioned Drew Timmy. I mean, he's, he's probably going to be a second round guy. You got to find some guys like that who can help you out of the yeah. second, especially second rounders. They're really cheap. And if they don't work out, you can just, you just cut them. It doesn't kill your cap. And I think the other thing, too, that we haven't really touched on. Yes, it's a, it, it is an on-court related thing. It, it, it's about that mentality, right? Uh, I think we've talked about that this Hawks team, they don't necessarily have enough players on this roster that kind of have that, I guess, killer instinct. You know, Trey has it sometimes. We saw it in the Boston series. He kind of turned it on. But you need some of those guys like those Drew Timmies, the the agitators, if you will. Just, you know, just a little bit. DeJounte had it some some of the time and you just want him to kind of lean into that a little bit more. So I think when you think of this team, you want to have some of those guys who are willing to kind of agitate people a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's what Bay gave them. And uh, mm-hmm. Trey talked about that in the playoffs. Somebody asked him about Bay. He said yeah. he gives us that that edge and that toughness that we need. So 
you know, trainos, that's they need some more of that. So yeah, I think you're right that uh and that's where we get into the evaluating these prospects, not just production and talent, mm-hmm. but you know, the intangibles. Do they have that dog in them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh if you can get a guy like that, that could definitely help this Hawks team. And I think that's a reason why they should consider, you know, extending Bay as well. It's going to be tough because, you know, like we said, Onyeko Kongu is also one of those guys that they they should consider um, if they I'm sure they have (laughs) extending just because of how much he gives them and, and the potential that he has as far as continued development. So, Michael, when you think about, you know, potential trades that the Hawks can do, if you were in the GM chair. If you were Landry Fields, one, who would you, who would be your first call, and what would you be trying to offer up? Oh, my first call would be whichever team would take John Collins. No, <laughs> no, you you do you you find a team that needs a a talented big man who can fit better as a as a as a stretch guy um, than he does with the Hawks as as a smaller five. As a lob guy, I don't know who that team would be right now off the top of my head, though. Um, <laughs> probably the Hawks don't either because they tried yeah. to trade Collins and they didn't <laughs> find anybody who want who want to take that deal. Yeah, but I would, you know, if you can't get rid of Collins, and we've already talked about Capella, would be a guy you can call, and that the market there I think would be, should be a lot bigger for a starting caliber center, a lob man, and a rim protector. Everybody's always looking for those, um, even in you know, the pace and space NBA, you still need a guy like that. It's just, you can't have, like we said before, you got to have four shooters around them. So um, that would be my call is say who needs a, um, a starting caliber center like Clint Capella. And there are a few teams who, who would fit that bill. What about that backcourt? Would you test the waters and see what people are willing to give up? For someone, <laughs> one of those players, I won't mention names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on I'm record as saying, do not trade Trey. Yeah. Um, you got your pot committed with him. Mm-hmm. You're trying to build a team around him. You're paying him a lot of money. And I think also with Trey that you don't give up now because you can always still flip him later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that's urgent. DeJounte, there's kind of a clock on him. <laughs> He's probably not going to accept uh, an extension. Um, maybe he will. I don't, I don't know DeJounte, but I, from, from from what I've heard or from what I've seen, he's probably not going to accept an extension. He wants to hit the market you know, next summer and, and see what he can get in the open market instead of doing an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, but to trade him, the Hawks would have to admit that they made a mistake with that deal. I mean, you can't give up that many picks mm-hmm. for a guy and then you end up keeping him a season and a half or even, you know, one season. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, ego does come into play. Yes, Job security does come into play because you have to go to the owner and say, hey, remember this guy we gave up all these picks for? Mm-hmm. Now with the Hawks, the dynamic's different because there's been so much change in the front office that the people who are in charge there now can maybe wash their hands of this right. and say, hey, we t- I told you. I was one of the people saying, don't do that deal. You know? so, <laughs> <laughs> like nobody wants to take uh, credit for it now. Yeah. No, um, I would say you got to at least try to make 
make it work up until next season's deadline. It's not a deal you do this summer. And let's see what Trey Murray with Quinn Snyder as coach can do. I, I'm inclined to agree with you there, especially I know there were people who would be excited to have, you know, Celtics, you know, guard Jalen Brown in the mix. And it's just hard for me to see how he would kind of fit, especially with what the Hawks have right now. Yes, maybe you could move him to the three, but then you'd have to move Hunter to the four or you're moved, you're moving on from DeAndre Hunter or you're moving on from one of the other two guys that are in that backcourt, Trey Young or, or DeJounte Murray. So it, it's just, it's it's a mix. Plus you have to worry about paying Jalen Brown because he he was max eligible or is max eligible. And so again, that's another, you're going into the luxury tax or you're you're pushing yourself even further into the luxury tax for for that guy. So that's not a draft day thing. That's more of a free agency thing. So we won't get too far into that, but... Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the Hawks Report this week. Um, any final thoughts from you on what the Hawks need to accomplish when the draft, uh, when they're on the clocks, excuse me, on, <laughs> <laughs> on June 22nd? They need, a, in the first round, they need a good defense, defensive prospect that has that edge that we talked about. And they need to finally find a second rounder who can play in the NBA. We'll see if they're able to do that or if they make any deals ahead of the draft next week. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Hawks Report this week. We'll be back next week. Um, Michael, thank you again. And you guys are listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach. Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.